Okay, all right. Great song, great song. Okay, so this morning we are starting on a brand new journey. Uh, last year we ended actually right through lockdown. We did an Old Testament book. Can you remember? Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. And you're very shy this morning. What's happening? What's happening? Okay. Uh, we journeyed through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so now we're going to swing to the New Testament. And we're going to journey through the book of Galatians. Okay. So 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. All right. If you want to get your Bibles there ready or your cell phones, however you're looking into the Word. Um, soon we'll get our remote that was stolen. And this thing can go back in the, where it belongs. And we could put the scriptures up behind me. But uh, for that moment, just bear with us. If you don't have your Bible with you, or it's not on your cell phone, uh, we'll, we'll be reading it together shortly. But, um, you know, friends, I was thinking about it. If, if Paul were actually here, I don't know if I'd like him so much. You know? Because, uh, you know, I get the impression he's a very hard-nosed kind of guy. You know? And, and it's black and white. And he just says it as it is, very like bold and, you know, that kind of guy. I mean, even the language that's coming through this letter is sort of what intrigued me to do it um, because it's like a, it's a wake-up letter. It's actually, it's a wake-up letter. And our English version that we have has actually toned down his, his tone. It's actually toned it down. The original words are, are quite shocking. I'll give you an example. In Galatians chapter 3, Verse 1, he says, You foolish Galatians. Okay, do you want to know what it says in the original? You beloved idiots. That's, that's the original. You beloved idiots. I was actually tempted to make that. No, I'm not going to do it. You know, idiot guide to mercy or, you know. So, yo, it's, it's very strong. We did Philippians not too while ago. And Philippians is like, you know, it's so encouraging and it's soft and it's... I mean, Philippians was his favorite church, you know. So, I mean, he's speaking to his, his best friends. And there's a lot of encouragement out of Philippians and grace and, you know. This one is the other way. This is, this is the flippy coming out of Paul, <laughs> okay. It's pretty strong, pretty strong. And, and what the issue is, the issue is why, why is he like so strong is because... We just sung, you know, you set me free, right? This grace, this gospel has set me free. Um, and that grace alone is what sets me free. That's what grace does. Only grace sets you free. Grace does set you free. All right? And if you put another thing to that gospel, another thing to that grace, you don't have grace and you don't have freedom. And so this church was running back. Actually, it's a group of churches to the a community in Galatia, these churches were abandoning grace and running back to a false gospel, a false hope. That's what, and so he's just shouting at them, hey, come back here, come back to this grace, this gospel. And so that's why I've called this series The Center. The Center. All right, let's, let's just get this straight, nice and straight. So it would do us well to come to the text this morning as if we know nothing or as if we are getting this wrong because we're, we have this tendency to do the same. 
That's why it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible for you and me to see, oh, this is what my heart does. This is what I must fight against. This is what I'm repenting of, you know, continually turning from. Okay, I'm the idiot. All right, so we do well to start from that presupposition that the assumption that I'm not getting this right. Help me get it better. God, please help me get this done better. All right. Um, And what was attacking this church? What was happening on the inside and the outside? Well, we had these these Jews that were getting converted. They were believing in the gospel uh, and taking grace. And these Jews were then teaching in the church. No, no, okay, listen. We... What you need is, you need to be a Jew, plus you need to take Jesus, and then you're saved. You're with me? So take Jesus, but you need to be a Jew. You need to follow the Jewish traditions, the Jewish laws. And these Judaizers were taking them to a false gospel. That gospel does not save. That gospel doesn't save. And uh, that's some of the themes that were coming out. Okay, it's simply the gospel. So can we read together? We're going to read um, just, well, the whole chapter of chapter 1. It's only a few verses, and then we'll break it down bit by bit. Here we go. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, sorry, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I'm now trying, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult with any human being, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. 
I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man was formerly persecuted us, is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now just so far may God bless this word to us today. Quickly this morning, just five characteristics of this gospel we know. Okay? And as we look at these characteristics, let's have it recomb this gospel we know. All right. The first facet of this gospel that Paul is trying to get across to us is that this gospel, this grace, is of God. And it centers on God, not us. Not us. This gospel is not centered around us. It is centered all around God. Look at verse 1 there. You see there, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. All right. So he's, he's just saying, this is not from man. This is from God, it's by God, it's with God, it's for God. Romans eleven forty six, In Him, through Him, and for Him are all things. So you can see where we're going with this. What have you made of this gospel? It's not about you. It's not about you. And we have this tendency to make Jesus all about us. And it's not about us. That is a false gospel. This gospel is from God, for God, and through God. And only this gospel is to be, to be believed. Only this gospel brings freedom. You add anything to it, you've got a false gospel, which won't bring freedom. And we then have a division in the church because we have now got Jews thinking they're better than the Gentiles. You know, we've got people thinking they're more righteous than others. We've got division, we've got racism, and we've got all sorts of things. But the gospel, the gospel comes in and blows that all up. We're just saying it. Freedom in Jesus Christ. But only freedom in this gospel alone, which is from God. And so Paul is just astounded. That's why he says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And turning to a different gospel. Now, we know the gospel. I know we preach it often. Saved by grace alone. Believing in the one who came, he lived, he died, and was and risen again. That alone is what saves you. We know it. But I wonder how good we are at practicing it. Because we have a tendency of making this gospel all about us. So we love the idea of the gospel, but I don't think we practice it well. We struggle to practice this grace. We, start, we struggle to practice this, because this is what happens. We take this gospel, we get baptized, and on a good day, you know, we had our quiet time, we, we didn't curse, we don't do this, we, we had a better attitude, and at night we want to go to sleep, and we think, oh great, I had a good day in the Lord, high five God, thank you. And we have a good night's sleep. All right? On a bad day, 
The car broke down, you're late for work, you gave a fib. Well, the car didn't break down, you gave a fib while you were late for work. You dropped a person, you broke a promise, you didn't keep a commitment, you said a fluke. Something went wrong and now you're troubled. You're going to sleep and you have the weight of this disappointment on your heart. You're with me? Now there's no peace. All right. I think that is the general practice of grace. But friends, this grace is not about you or your performance or lack of. Or lack of. We're not practicing the gospel well if that's what's going on every day. And that ought not to go on every day because by, by ending the day high-fiving God or ending the day under a crushing weight of disappointment, you, you're making a God in your own image. You're making a God in your own image. You're domesticating this God. What is good and what is bad? What is freedom and what is not freedom? Okay? So grace is, Jesus did not come to this earth to, you know those, um, you know those dancing monkeys? They're on a string and they just perform for people, right? Jesus did not save us to be dancing monkeys. It's not about us. It's not about us. And that's what these Judaizers, I mean, they should know. It's ironic that these Jewish people who have got a whole thousands of years of proving monkeys don't dance. People can't get it right. God gives a tune, the people fail. God gives a law, people break it. They can't keep tune. Yet now they still think, okay, we add Jesus, now we'll get it right. Now we'll get it right. It's not about you. You with me? It's not about us. And that's the irony of what these Judaizers are presenting. Okay. So in our practice of grace, friends, we also run from it. We run. We prefer to, do, to believe something we can manage, we can take hold of, and we can control. But it's not about us. It's not about us. The Jews didn't get it right. The Judaizers are not getting it right. The Galatian church are not getting it right, friends. And we also have a tendency not to get it right. Not to get it right. We make God to be what we want Him to be. We, we serve a God that doesn't challenge us. Who agrees with us who believes what we believe, who meets our needs. All right? Friends, that's not the gospel. This grace that you've put your faith in is going to challenge, it's going to convict, it's going to push, it's going to pull, it's going to tear you up. It's going to rip your heart. And it's going to ask you to trust Him anyway, to believe in Him anyway, because it's not about you. It's not about you. How do you know if you're not practicing the gospel well or grace well? Here's one way you'll know you got this all wrong. All right? When your God hates all the people you hate, 
Think about that. When your God hates the people you hate, then friends, you have got it wrong. You've got it wrong. So how do we, what's the antidote? What's the vaccine for this? And to help us turn, he says in verse 10, this is how Paul kept it on the straight. He says, I'm now, I'm now trying to win, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the cure for this is to live to please God. Live to please God, not living to please people. That's the antidote. We live, we breathe, we function for the audience of one. You do that. You do, and you keep to that. I mean, because if it was based on performance, if it was based on uh, being a Jew and taking Jesus, I mean, who would be the best example? It would be Paul. Because he says that, ah, man, ah, if that is the way to being saved, if that's grace, then actually I'm your top-notch guy. Because no one beat me. No one beat me. And he puts up his pedigree there. I was a Jewish man. I was born from the tribe of Benjamin. I was the Pharisees of Pharisees. All right? So if, if it was about taking Jesus and obeying all the rules and being the best Jew to be saved, well... None of you can, can beat me. But it's not about you. It's not about you. I'm only just trying to please the Lord. It's not about pleasing other people. Okay. So when you come into this gospel and into this community of grace, friends, ask yourself the question. If, if this gospel is real, then Jesus is going to push you to limits where you have to depend on Him. There's going to be stresses, there's going to be strains, there's going to be pulls, there's going to be pushes. You're going to be extended. You're going to be used like a body. If a body isn't being used, it's dead. Right? If it's not extending itself, using itself, it's dead. And similarly, friends, this grace body is to be used. Extended, pushed, pulled, stressed, tired, Weary, even exhausted, can I say anxious, because you're with other people, different people, doing different things, called to other good works, constantly giving, constantly serving, constantly loving, constantly forgiving, constantly not taking offense, constantly not causing offense, right? Constantly, constantly. And there we're forced to depend on the grace of God. But if none of that is happening in your life, friends, you've got to think again, what kind of gospel you got? If it's just week after week, church after church, 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 no offense, no effort, no tiredness, no stress, no anxiety, no one rubbing you up the wrong way, oh, it's all, I don't know. Just think again. What kind of gospel you got? I mean, every time we preach, this gospel wrecks me. It wrecks me. And I have to exercise my heart. But it's not about me. Amen? It's not about us. This gospel is from God to God and for God. It's not based on what I do or what I don't do. Okay. 
The second facet we see here in verse 11 and 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So this gospel that we share is his story. It's his story. Okay, that's important. It, this gospel that we believe in, that brings freedom, that brings equality, that demolishes injustice, that takes the poor, that brings love and forgiveness, this story is God's story. It did not come from a human tradition. It did not come from a, a man. And Paul is saying, I did not make this up. It didn't come from me. Okay. This is a work of God. This gospel that we believe in has to be a work of God because our problem is so big, only God can fix it. If we put our faith in anything that wasn't of God, that would have no hope. That would bring no freedom. That is no gospel. But we believe in a gospel that's not of man. It is of God. It is of God and from God and through God. So we have this tendency to make the gospel about ourselves. Okay? But the truth is the gospel is his story. His story. Here's another facet, 13 and 14. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So here's Paul getting really honest. Okay? They don't like Paul. Okay? They're challenging Paul. And Paul says, you know what? I am all that you say, and in fact, I am worse. Because you know what? You know what I did? I was killing Christians. What an offense to God. I was doing that. So you say, this is God's story, and I don't even qualify for this grace because I was killing Christians. I'm worse than you think. I'm worse than you think. And I wonder, this gospel, friends, that we preach, this gospel that we love, maybe you're here, you're, you're like so paranoid, someone's going to find out your past. Someone's going to find out your present situation. You're so paranoid. It's not about you. It's not about you. Paul is saying, if anyone has to be embarrassed, it's me. Look what, look what I was doing. And for those that have got it all together, he says in verse uh, 14, you know, for the good ones, the good guys who kept all the rules, all right, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. You think you're good. I was better. I was better. If, if this gospel was about keeping the rules, you know, doing good. If this gospel excluded people who were bad. Well, then you don't have a gospel. But this gospel is for anyone, no matter how bad. And this gospel is attained not by doing good. This is God's story. It's God's story. 
in fact, this is the third facet that this story of God is bigger than your story. Bigger than any mess you've created or mess that you're enduring and bigger than any good you could possibly do. It's much bigger than it's not about you. It's not about you. The gospel is God's story. It's God's story. So this pathway to getting access to God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, this pathway is not blocked to people of any kind. It's not blocked to people who are damaged, who are sinful and broken. Amen? Amen. It's not blocked. And this gospel is not only for those who are keeping the rules, doing good and morally upright. In fact, to take this gospel, you have to die to both of those things. You repent of all your bad, all your sin, and you repent of all your good. Because you're not trusting in that goodness to get to God. You're not trusting in that. Or are you? Let's get this in the center. This gospel is just trusting in God alone. It's His story. It's bigger than you. It's not about you. It's bigger than you. Much bigger. And you died to both of those things. When you got baptized, right? You died to your sin and you died to your scheme, your plan you had of being right with God. You died to that. And you put your faith alone in Jesus Christ alone who lived, who died and was born again for your sin. Amen? Let's get that center. Center. Friends, if you're here and you're embarrassed or you're terrified someone's going to find out who you really are, friends, that does not terrify God, and His gospel is for you. And if you're here thinking, well, I've got it all together, I'm keeping the rules, I don't swear, I don't smoke, I don't, you know, I'm a good guy or girl, friends, that's not the way to God either. The only way to God is this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to salvation for those who believe. That's what it is. Verse 15. But when God, who sent me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Okay? So Paul is now going to prove to people how insignificant he is in the story. Okay? He's been a Christian for like three years. No one knows him. No one knows him. And he points straight to God. He says in verse 15, But when God set me apart. Verse 16, God revealed his son in me. Okay? God did that. God did that. God did that. Friends, we ought to take comfort. It is God that is going to use your life. It is God that's going to do it. This gospel is so big. This gospel comes from God. It is bigger than us. 
all our good and all our bad doesn't keep us from grace, doesn't keep us in grace. All right? And this gospel wants to use the most insignificant person for great, great things. That's what this gospel does. It uses insignificant small people. And that's what Paul is saying. God did it. God did it. God did it. It's not of me. It's not of me. And he still wants to do that. And he's still doing that. I'm worse than you think, he's saying. I'm better than you could ever be. But the gospel's got nothing to do with that. I am insignificant in this. It's only the grace of God that saved me. And it's the grace of God that is using me. Amen? That's the grace of God. And God loves taking insignificant people. Think of King David. Remember when the prophet came to Saul, I need a, a man. And so he brings his boys and he says, no, you're, the man's not here. You've got another boy. There must be another one. Oh, the runt. I'll go get my runt. <laughs> he calls his runt little David there. Oh, there he is. There's the man. And Hebrews calls him a man after God's own heart. The runt. Even Jesus himself. Even Jesus, born into poverty, nothing much to look at. No estate, no legacy, no inheritance. Right? The Bible says he was nothing to look at. And God Almighty chooses that one to put divine life into something obscure, something insignificant, something small. That's what God does. That's what this gospel does. Friends, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. Think about how much time we put into thinking about ourselves. Think about how much time we put into thinking about our, our, what we're going to leave behind. What's going to matter. What's going to stay. What's going to remain. The gospel comes into your life, scoops you up, and puts you into a swell that is far greater than your legacy. You can let go of your life. You can let go of it all. Because Jesus knows your name, you have everything. Because He knows your name. And because he knows your name, you are in his kingdom and in his estate. You will not lose anything. So caught up into the swell, I would say to you, keep this center. Practice this grace. Believe in this grace, in this gospel. Live in this gospel. Look forward to this gospel. Forget about your life. Forget. It doesn't compare to what you have and what are still to have in Jesus. In Jesus. And then lastly, he says in verses 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assured you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard this report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. 
what this gospel will do. The story that is not about you. The story that is bigger than you. The story that no matter how bad you are, does not exclude you. And no matter how good you are, does not get you to him. This story that is bigger than you, all right, is going to use you to reach others. It's going to use you to reach others. That's what he preaches. This is God's desire. And this is what you must take home today. All right? It's found in verse 10. I am now trying to win. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? That's the question today right there. Because that will be your center. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or am I trying to win the approval of God? This gospel is his story. It's not about you. It's bigger than you. Nothing bad can keep you from God. And being good does not get you to God. And it's bigger than you. And it wants to use you to reach others. That's where it wants to go. You keeping this central. You keeping this central. Our sole job, our purpose, a reason for our existence is to magnify this one. Amen? To lift up this one. To make this name famous. To make that one famous. And by making this one famous, by preaching His name, keeping Him central, God, that's what the gospel does, will take insignificant ones and use them to, to point others to the same central fact of life. The center of everything. That's what this gospel wants to do. So you have two questions I have for you this morning. And that is number one. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this Jesus? Is this Jesus alone your confidence and your hope? Have you yielded to this one? To this one? Have you asked Him to forgive your brokenness and your sin? And asked Him to be your King? It's the most important thing, is to yield to this one. Keep it center. And then for us believers, to keep it center. To keep it center. What are you spending your life on? What's exhausting you? Where are you being stretched? Is it for God? Or is it for others? Is it for God's glory? As Isaiah 26 verse 8 says, O Lord, your name is the desire of my heart. Your name is the desire of my heart. That's the center. May everything I do, whether they know my name or not, be centered on you. Amen? Be centered on you. As King Solomon would say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Lean not on man's understanding in all your ways. Huh? Keep it centered. Acknowledge the Lord and He will make your path straight. 
He'll make your path straight. John put it this way, as you walk in the light, as He is in the light, and have fellowship with one another, the Lord's grace will forgive you of your sins. Keep Him center. Keep Him center. You know you're keeping God center when you're being stretched. When you're depending on Him to love others, to serve others, to give to others. When you're in a community, working for His purposes, serving His grace, being used of Him, depending on Him. You've got Him in the center. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this great story This story has bowled into our lives and we have a new story. We have a new story. It has totally captivated us. Thank you, God, that this grace, nothing can stop. There is nothing too broken, too bad, too sinful, too spoiled. There's nothing that can inhibit the grace of God. And we thank you for that. All that trust in the name of Jesus can be saved and can find your forgiveness no matter what the condition, no matter what the situation, no matter how terrible. Oh God, thank you that this grace is so big. We thank you, God. It is freedom that it brings. It's not about performance. It's not about keeping the rules. It's not about trying to achieve. It's bigger than that. We can't keep ourselves in God. Only Jesus can keep us in God. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the freedom. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will unchain hearts here who have somehow made the gospel about themselves and their performance or lack of. Father, I pray the gospel as it comes to the center of our hearts would shine again and show them how great it is. It is of you and for you and through you. And I pray, God, that this gospel would take lives here and do great things with them. Do great things in and through each one here present. I pray, Father, that all believers here would spend their lives for the audience of one and be used by you mightily. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.